You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute or just listen at home. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcast. Simply subscribe to Lockdown Kentucky or just tell your smart device, device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Today's episode of Lockdown Kentucky is brought to you by Built Bar. My favorite one, uh, my new favorite, I had the chocolate almond coconut. I really like that one. But uh, now I think I'm going with peanut butter chocolate brownie or chocolate peanut butter brownie. Whatever it is, it's it's awesome. But make sure you use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, a lot to get to on this episode because, of course, uh, we have – a new uh, commitment to the University of Kentucky. The Cats did not land Matt Harms, and a lot of Wildcat fans seemed upset about it and seemed like, oh my gosh, you've got to get this guy a seven-footer. He fits everything. Well, Harms is more of one of those stretch fives that would fit better in BYU's system. Olivier Saar took all of seven three-pointers uh, last season at Wake Forest, and he is a much better fit for Kentucky. So Olivier Saar... Wake Forest seven-footer tweeted uh, yesterday he's transferring to UK, uh, and it is now official. He told ESPN that Coach Cal made him understand that he was needed. He averaged almost 14 points, nine rebounds, uh, 1.2 blocks last season, shot 54% from two. Uh, At the end of the year, in his last five or six games, one of them he scored 25 and a win over Duke. He had 30 and 17 against Notre Dame. Uh, he's going to apply for a waiver to play immediately. If he's denied, he's going to consider pro options. He actually told ESPN, there's no way I sit out. So he's not doing that. And this, th- there was a scuttlebutt this week that made Kentucky fans feel so much better that Saar picked UK. It's because Wake Forest new coach, former ETSU head coach Steve Forbes, uh, was talking to WSJS in uh, North Carolina Tuesday and said he asked Sar, why would he go to Wake for three years, put all that time in to get his this prestigious degree, and then end up getting your degree at a place like Kentucky? Which is fair, but I don't know what you would say that publicly, because Wake Forest ranks 27th on U.S. News & World Report on for best college. Kentucky is 132. Uh, I mean, you can argue about all that different stuff, but since 2009, Wake Forest has produced four NBA draft picks. Kentucky has produced 29, and I'm pretty sure the seven-foot Olivier Saar is most interested in a career in basketball first, uh, more so than whatever degree he's pursuing. And in three years at Wake Forest, Saar never played in the NCAA tournament or experienced a winning season. Um, and he said that uh, what he told ESPN is he said, Cal told me that as always, he has a young team. They're really talented without me. They are the number one recruiting class in the country, but they don't have the experience that I have from playing in the ACC. He wants me to be a leader to show them and tell them how college basketball is. I will be a great example for them. It was clear from the talks that they needed me. They needed experience. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is very accurate. I mean, he, he's, 
he is exactly what Kentucky needed. And basically what I wrote for the athletic today um, or yesterday is if he's eligible to play next season, he immediately makes them a contender where they had a, a massive question mark. Uh, he's a, he's a massive answer, a seven foot, 255 pound, all ACC player who, you know, I would also note the way he finished last season, he averaged his last four or five games. He averaged like 12 and a half rebounds a game. Yeah, you know, includes back-to-back games. They were terrible last year, and at the end of the season, they pulled a couple of upsets in a row. They they beat Duke, uh, and they beat um, uh, crap. Now I've forgotten who it was uh, in back-to-back games. Um, who was it? Anyway, uh, I also uh, read that he was second in defensive rebounding percentage in the ACC. Yeah, in ACC great, games only. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was a great rebounder. He he. Um, had Something 11, like second in drawing fouls as well. He had 11 double-doubles, and he had, I think, three or four more games where he was in double figures rebounding. Uh, but he in those back-to-back wins um, uh, late in the season, he went for 25-5 and five against Duke and like 30-13 and 13 against another uh, ACC team, which is completely escaping me right now. Then he went for 20-13. and 13 Well, Notre Dame, he had 30-17 and 17 uh, Notre Dame. against Notre Dame. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, so it was Notre, back-to-back wins over Duke <laughs> and Notre Dame. Again, Wake was terrible, so those were pretty big upsets. And he was kind of the, the central force of those two upset wins. 25-5 and five against Duke. Duke has Vernon Carey, as you might remember. Um, and then against Notre Dame, 30-17. and 17. Then 20-13 and 13 in their first ACC tournament game before uh, that got called off. Um, and now, if Notre Dame had had Luke Herringote still, I mean, I don't know if he does that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be more <laughs> impressive. But uh, and then even earlier in the season against a, a good Arizona team, he went for twenty one and thirteen. So like, this is a guy who put up numbers against real competition. Yeah, uh, high level competition. He is. Uh, I mean, he's a sure thing. Like you know, he's going to only be. I mean, will he be great? I don't know. Will he be good? Like almost certainly. You know, you can almost guarantee that if he's healthy, uh, you have a a good, you know, top top end of the eight of the SEC starting center. You know, it, you know, one of the you'd, you'd say almost certainly going to be one of the two or three best centers in the SEC. And to go, yeah, he'll give you not, more than Nate Sestina did, and at least and as more much than you Nate Sestina did. Tra- uh, Reed Travis did, and 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 with Reed, you know, Reed probably probably a better overall basketball player. But you, you can't, as they say, you can't teach size. Reed was a six eight center, you know, basically for them. This is a seven footer, a legitimate yeah. seven footer, um, who, you know, to go up and to average over nine rebounds a game in the ACC um, is tough. And so that I, I just think knowing that you have a plug and play, you know, basically double double guy. You know, a guy who could threaten averaging, you know, a double-double next season uh, is a humongous deal because think about what they had coming back. They, they had Keon Brooks, and that is it in terms of forwards or centers who had played a single minute in college basketball. Mm-hmm. 3.2 rebounds a game is what they return. So to add, <laughs> an you know, an all-ACC seven-footer ACC seven footer is just a huge deal because – you know, let's say none of the freshmen really pan out or they're not great. Um, I think you know you can get a really good sophomore season out of Keon Brooks at the four as kind of an undersized four, stretch four. 
And yeah. he's a guy who, even though he's a little bit thin, he'll go fight and scrap for rebounds. And then you put him next to Saar, and you know you're going to get a good season out of him. Like you, I think you can say, you can reasonably expect that Kentucky will have a high end starting five next season. Because yeah. even if De- even if Devin Askew is not ready day one to be, you know, a game changing point guard, you know you're going to have a good high major point guard as a backup op- option in Davion Mintz. Um, right. And then you've got two guys that I would bet the farm on being elite on the wings, um, you know, in, in Terrence Clark and, and BJ Boston, those guys are going to be really good. I think Boston's going to be excellent, best freshman they've had in a while. Um, and so, you know, I think this addition means they're going to have a, you know, one of the best starting fives in college basketball is yeah. depth going to be an issue still could be, um, you know, they could, they're still going to hit some bumps in the road. They're not a flawless roster, even with this addition, but this changes things. But then the big, what if, you know, the other half of what I wrote yesterday is either they got, either they solidified themselves as a contender or they just took a guy that's going to be like the biggest air out of the balloon moment in a long time at Kentucky. If in October, let's say that we know how the NCAA drags its feet and yeah. is very inconsistent. What if this drags into October and then they deny him the waiver? <laughs> right. Then Kentucky is absolutely screwed, <laughs> you yeah. know, because there's no, well, let's talk, let's save the, the waiver and, and all that eligibility stuff for the next segment. We got to get to a break. We'll talk more about SAR, his situation, the 24 seven sports put out their final rankings for the class of 2020. We'll get into that and some UK football comings and goings. Uh, also, the UK Athletics Hall of Fame class for 2020 announced. All that stuff when we continue on Locked On Kentucky. I want to tell you about this protein bar I recently discovered. It's called Built Bar. First time I tried it, I thought I was eating a candy bar. Really, it tastes that good. It's not chalky like so many other protein bars I've had. I tried the chocolate almond coconut bar. Uh, just too good. Built Bar has 16 different flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. Eight of those 16 flavors include nuts, like peanut butter brownie is a good one. But if you have a nut allergy, there's good news because Built Bar has eight flavors that are nut-free and produced in nut-free facilities, like the tasty mint brownie. Built Bar is super healthy, too. Low calorie, low sugar, low carbs, high protein, high fiber. Compare them to the leading brands, Built Bar, no contest. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky, and uh, we mentioned, uh, we we spent the first segment talking about Olivier Saar, and uh, I mentioned the the little slight from Steve Forbes about why, you know, why wouldn't you stick around and get a, that prestigious degree uh, at Wake Forest? Uh, why would you get one from Kentucky? You know, you've made it this far. Well, because Olivier Saar wants to go to the NBA. That's goal number one. That's what he wants to do. And he told ESPN, that's one of the reasons I chose Kentucky. They have the resources and they do a great job of getting big men ready for the NBA. But it's not about what I say. It's about what I do on the court. I need to put the work in and show that I am one of these guys. They showed they can do it in the past at a high rate. Now it's my turn to do my job and become one of those well-known names. Anthony Davis, 
Carl Anthony Towns, Willie Cauley Stein, DeMarcus Cousins. And when Olivier Saar was making his decision about whether or not to enter his name into the NBA draft, he said he spoke with Danny Manning at length. And Danny Manning, a big man in the NBA, former big man in the NBA, knows a little something about uh, playing really well at that position, convinced Saar to come back for another season. Uh, you know, obviously to improve his situation as an NBA draft pick to improve his stock. Well, Wake Forest season ended on March 10th. That's the last game they played. They didn't fire Danny, Danny Manning until April 25th. Six weeks went by from the end of their season till the time they made the decision to fire Danny Manning. And by that point, Saar had made up his mind no, I'm not going to go to the NBA now. Now I am going to stay at Wake Forest. But there was only like a few days left to get all the paperwork done and submitted, and he didn't get it done. So he well, missed out on putting his name in the NBA draft. He missed that deadline. Well, and so it, now it that's, a, that's his, that's his, there weren't that's even his case a few days. Yeah, there were not even a few days. That, so I, I kind of laid that out in my story. The case is really simple that they're going to make. They fired Danny Manning on April 25th, which you mentioned is six weeks after the season. The NBA early entry deadline was the next day. Okay. The 26th. So they gave him no opportunity to consider, to weigh. uh, And he said, like, Danny Manning, I I was thinking I was going in the draft, and Danny Manning and I talked, and he convinced me to come back. You know, and Danny Manning, for whatever you think of him as a head coach, he was the number one overall pick. He's one of the greatest college basketball players in history. Right. Uh, as a 6'11 big man, if you're Olivier Saar and, and you've gone from, and, you know, we talked about all his good stuff. I mean, you look at his first two years. I mean, look at him as a recruit. He wasn't a high-level recruit. You look at his first two years at Wake. You got his numbers basically doubled every year, more than doubled this this third year. You know, he did nothing as a freshman, did a little bit as a sophomore, and became an all-ACC player as a junior. And, and again, like really took flight in the second half of the season. If you're on that trajectory developing under Danny Manning as a big man, and he says, look, come back one more year, we'll make you an NBA player. Right. Uh, Danny Manning says that, you you listen. Yeah, big and, man to big man. And he said, you know, he talked me out of going to the draft. So you put that aside. You're not, you're not dealing with an agent. You're not out there trying to get feedback from teams. Um, you know, you're not getting any of the information you would want to have before you make that decision. And they fire him on the 25th, and then you've got to decide by the 26th, and you miss that deadline. Now he cannot enter the draft. He cannot go into the NBA draft. Um, that's a pretty strong case. You know, immediately mm-hmm. after this all came out yesterday, a lot of national college basketball people were like, you know, I'm very skeptical that he's going to get the waiver. The NCAA never really grants waivers to players because their coach got fired or left. That's not exactly true. There have been some cases and, and, and in, in all those cases, there were other factors they could players could argue going back closer to home or family need or whatever, but there have been cases, including at Cincinnati last year where two or three of the guys uh, who left Cincinnati after Mick Cronin got the Cincinnati job, uh, the UCLA job did uh, get immediate eligibility. Um, there's what about a lot the transfers that- from, um, uh, from uh, Mark Pope's program to BYU that played immediately. Like they yeah. followed him to BYU. Yeah. And, you know, and, and even non-coach related things. I mean, Kentucky, uh, Quaddy Green left Kentucky um, 
and was eligible immediately. Um, um, Jamal Baker left Kentucky and was eligible immediately. Now those guys are, you know, making, you know, various cases about why they should be. I mean, Quaddy Green wasn't arguing he'd be closer to home. He's from Philadelphia. Right. Um, you know, um, you know, and even Jamal Baker, he's a, he didn't go to Cal or UCLA. He's from California. He went to Arizona. He's closer to home, but he's not home. Um, and I think in all those cases, a lot of one of the things that's going to be interesting here is I think it really matters if the school you're leaving essentially says to the NCAA, hey, we support his move. He can go wherever he wants. We do not object. And that's what Calipari has uniformly done, even when right. he's not happy that a guy's leaving. He said, you know, I'll help these guys. If they don't want to be here, I want them to be happy. I'll help them go wherever they want to go. Um, and so you see these, these Calipari players go places and get immediate eligibility. I don't think Kentucky's going to get that same, uh, uh, at least from, right now, it doesn't Forest. look like Kentucky's going to get that from Wake Forest based on the stuff that, that uh, Steve Forbes has said, kind of the shots he's taken. And what I've heard about his reaction to this behind the scenes is basically like, good luck to that kid. Um, Mm-hmm. But, you know, even without Wake Forest's Wake Forest's blessing, uh, I think the case is really compelling to just lay it out and say, you know, Danny Manning talked me out of the draft. Danny Manning was fired the day before the draft deadline. I had no time to make the decision. Uh, I mean, you could argue that Wake Forest knew exactly what it was doing in the timing of firing Danny Manning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you don't wait till you don't we wait don't till want to lose Sar. You don't wait till right after the deadline because then you then it's just obvious and you say, well, of course you cost him the chance to declare. Uh, you know, you do it the day before and you say he still had a chance to declare. It was the day before, uh, knowing full well that that doesn't really give him uh, a lot of time to make that decision. I think it's a compelling case. I think it's plenty of reason uh, to let the kid play. I think all these kids should play anyway. I mean, one of the one of the things Cal Perry said even before he was recruiting Sar, before Sar was even on the market, you know, weeks ago. He said, you know, that he's really not a fan of of the free one time transfer because he thinks it's going to just create a crazy free for all. Uh, I think guys should just be able to go wherever they want. Period. But his solution was, you know, look if the coaching staff leaves or gets fired, then let those guys go without yeah. penalty. Uh, because that's the argument people always throw about why players should have freedom of movement is because coaches do. Well, if you tie it to that, if you say, you know. Not everybody gets freedom of movement, but if your coach leaves or gets fired, you can go wherever yeah. you want. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable middle ground on that. Um, yeah, so, if the guy who recruited you, and in Danny Manning's case, recruited you right up to you know being fired, like recruited yeah. you to come back another season, like you yes. were re-recruited by the same coach. Right, and and, and that's the other piece of this uh, that I mentioned in the story. Um, while Wake Forest may not cooperate, Danny Manning's going to help this kid because one, he's got a connection with John Calipari that goes back to 1985. Calipari was an assistant at Kansas when Danny Manning was a star at Kansas. Uh, They've been friends for a long time. And Danny Manning is pissed off at Wake Forest. Not only did he get fired and not only did they wait six weeks to do it, uh, they're now saying, uh, we don't even owe him the $15 million that he's Mm. due. We owe him less than half. Um, and so he's, you think he's got an ax to grind, uh, with Wake Forest. And so if he wants, you know, if Kentucky wants a letter from Danny Manning spelling out, this is how I persuaded, you know, Sar to stay, you know, we talked about it. He stopped thinking about the draft because I told him to stop thinking about the draft, that we were going to work another year together. 
And, and when I was fired, he was caught completely off guard and unable to make an informed NBA draft decision with less than 24 hours of notice. Um, I think I think that Danny Manning would happily cooperate with uh, SARS uh, appeal to the NCAA to get a waiver. Um, so I, I don't I, I'm somewhere down the middle. I, I am not on the same uh, track as you know a lot of Kentucky fans are like, of course he's going to get it, you know for XYZ reason, or Cal wouldn't have taken him if he didn't know for sure he's going to get a waiver. Uh, I don't agree with that. In fact, I talked to people yesterday, like Kentucky staff does not know whether he will or not. They're hopeful, but they do not know. Right. Um, You know, there's not a whole lot of certainty there. Um, And then I'm also not on the side of these folks that are saying he, he's not getting a waiver. They don't give waivers for this Uh, because I think he's got a strong case. He's got a unique case. I mean, there are not a lot of guys who can viably make the argument that, like, I was talked out of going in the draft, and then the day before the deadline, they fired my coach. <laughs> um, that's different. That's different than just saying my coach left and I want to go to a new school. So um, I, I don't think it's a shoe in either way. I don't think it's a lock that he won't get it. I don't think it's uh, certain that he will get it. Uh, there's going to be some stress about this. And that, that's really the biggest problem for Kentucky is how long is the NCAA going to take to get to this case? Um, Because either way, you'd rather know, like, next week, you know, good, bad, (laughs) or otherwise. You'd like to know. Because if he ain't going to be able to play and he says he's going to just go overseas, one, it'd be good for the kid to know so he can go get on overseas Um, or get an agent and start working on pro contracts of some kind. Maybe he goes to the G League. But um, for Kentucky, they're not going to attract anybody of that caliber with right. the possibility that Olivier Saar is on their roster next season. Um, and so they need to get, they would need to get busy. You know, they'd have to, even if it's not a comparable replacement, they'd have to go get somebody else. They'd have to, um, yeah. To play center. Uh, you could say, well, they're looking at this guy or that guy. Nobody is a plug and play center that they're even talking to right now. So um, that, that to me is the real intrigue of this. We don't know where, how it's going to come down. I think they've got a decent shot to get him a waiver. I think they have a very compelling case to get him a waiver, but it could, even if they get the waiver, they're going to be sweating it out if it's not decided until September or October. Yeah. It's, I, I don't see it going any other way other than that they sweat it out. Like it's, it's not going to be, which is crazy yeah. because what, you know, uh, th- this is a time when the NCAA should have, the time to work on things. You know what I mean? But uh, I just don't see it going any other way outside of it's going to be, it's going to be one of those that, that drags on and drags on. We'll see what happens. But uh, when we return on lockdown, Kentucky, we'll get to those final rankings that 24 seven put out for the class of 2020. And then uh, some UK football, got another guy entering the transfer portal today. Uh, another one entered yesterday and on and on. Uh, I think we're up to five now. And the UK Athletics Hall of Fame class announced today. We'll get to all of that when we continue on Locked On Kentucky. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky. And quickly, Kyle, just to go over the 24-7 final rankings for the class of 2020 that came out Wednesday, 24-7 sports, uh, took B.J. Boston and moved him from number 16 to number five. So B.J. Boston in their rankings previously was out of the top 10. They jumped him all the way up to number five. Terrence Clark had been number four. They dropped him back to number nine. Nonetheless, Kentucky now has 
in 24-7 sports rankings, and this is not the composite, this is just their own rankings. The composite would include their rankings, rivals rankings, uh, scouts ranking, ESPN rankings, all that. Or maybe not scout. Maybe 24-7 took over scout. Anyway, this is not the composite. But it's the first time Kentucky's had two top 10 freshmen since De'Aaron Fox and Bam Adebayo in 2016. Isaiah Jackson is the next highest. He moved up two spots, number 31. Devin Askew fell from 28 to 34. Lance Ware fell four spots to number 40. Cameron Fletcher dropped way out. He was number 26. He would have been the next highest, the third highest rated recruit, and he is all the way down to number 73 now. Uh, And then Frank Anselm, who is a guy Kentucky is still recruiting, uh, dropped from 119 to 137. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm I'm curious what they'll do now with uh, Frank Anselm. You know, if they keep pursuing him, um, you know, if they think an interesting thing. Uh, side note from all the happenings yesterday is that Keon Brooks's dad uh, tweeted yeah. that basically like we're not done yet. We got another, got another one coming, and I, apparently the family has a connection uh, to the Williams kid that's transferring from Evansville. Um, oh, so you don't think that was about Anselm? Apparently, uh, it looks like it was about DeAndre there's, Williams. There, there's a there's a decent theory that it's about DeAndre Williams, uh, who I guess would also be applying because he's not a grad transfer either, correct? He's a standard, I think, transfer, but may have a may have a case. I can't remember exactly how that works, but I would assume if they if if that is actually going to happen, uh, well, he would have a case because of Walter McCarty. Right. But again, that's a coaching change thing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like uh, same kind of deal. Um, but if that's the case, then you would think that they really don't need Frank Anselm. And I'm not sure you want to clog up your scholarship situation um, in that case, because he's also he's got multi, he'd have multiple years to play Williams. Right. Uh, he was just a sophomore last season, uh, maybe. Um Trying to remember. Yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a sophomore last season. Yeah. So, yes, he's played. So he has two years of eligibility remaining. Um, or was he. Where did he come from? Because he's only got one season in basketball reference. Was he a Juco kid? Oh, I he don't might know. have just been a freshman last season. Um, I don't know. No, he was a, so- uh, it was a sophomore last season. I do know that. But I don't know where okay. if he was like a Juco uh, guy. Point being. Uh, he's going to have multiple years. So, you know, you, you've, you've got, and then you've got the uh, topping kid who, whether he sits out or not, is going to have multiple years available. Um, so I don't know if you take Anselm, if you think you're getting DeAndre Williams. Um, but in terms of those other rankings, the the one that's interesting is Cameron Fletcher. Like I, he feels like a guy and I could be totally wrong. I'm not even, I'm not, I am not trying to discount him or, insult them in any way but because they have these other wings these high end wings you know both top 10 players terrence clark uh and bj boston this feels like a case to me where fletcher could be another one of those guys who comes in here um, you know he feels like he's as good as all everybody else doesn't get a lot of playing time as a freshman and instead of waiting to take over the bigger role as a sophomore because you'd assume that clark and boston would go to the nba uh transfers out you know, uh, that situation would not shock me at all. Um, and so that I'm, I'm 
I'm really curious. It feels like they might have gone one too heavy on recruiting wings. I think Fletcher committed before all the others, uh, and so that's kind of creates a, a weird situation there. Now, if he's a guy who is, hey, I need time to develop, and I'm going to be here two or three years, then that's perfect. Like he's the type of guy they could use in this sort of revamped roster building process. You know, get these yeah. guys who need to be here two or three years, you know, very plainly need to be here two or three years and are, and are personally uh, aware of that, like willing to do that. If he's one of those and then he could be great for them. But um, yeah, that's interesting that he fell so many spots. I I haven't talked to any of the uh, recruiting rankers to say, what did you see that made you drop him? But his drop. And then uh, interesting that ask you dropped, a few spots out of five star range. These are just the two, four, seven specific rankings though, not the composite. I think in the composite ask you still a five star kid. Um, but um, I don't know. I don't know how much we can make of any of that. Cause there've been plenty of guys that have been ranked high or been ranked low in these rankings. Um, and they defied those uh, rankings. Nick Richards. Remember, I mean, we all always talk about what a great developmental story Nick Richards is. And he is because the fact of the matter is what he came, when he came to Kentucky, he was super raw and he was not ready, but he was also a top 15 recruit. Uh, the number two ranked center in America coming out of high school, a McDonald's all American Nick Richards. And obviously that's not what he was day one. Uh, he turned out to be a guy that was worthy of all that uh, by his third season. But, and then, then you have Willie Cauley Stein, who was like in the forties as a recruit, ranked in the forties, almost fifty, um, and turned out to be a number six pick in the NBA draft and National Defensive Player of the Year. So, um, I, I try not to get too wound up about <laughs> where these guys are ranked. Being, I think, you know, if you're a top five recruit, um, yeah. BJ Boston is. I think the hit rate on that is very, very high. There are, uh, Scalabissier being the only one in, uh, in Calipari's yeah, time yeah, that he missed at Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. And, and that may have been as much a situation about fit as anything. Um, yeah, he was a stretch player and they needed a center. And some of that too is mystery. Like he didn't play anybody. The scout didn't, you know, scout yeah. played on this kind of made up high school team. Right. And they, they didn't really play any competition. Um, you know, so I, you know, what, what do you take from that? I don't know. But I mean, if you, you know, I'm trying to go back through, if you look at, uh, let's go to 2017. Uh, so we got to see a little bit of college and already some NBA 2017, the top five in two, four, seven specific rankings. Marvin Bagley was a star. Michael Porter absolutely was going to be a star, uh, and, and had injury issues, but I think there's still a lot of high expectations for him at the NBA level. Mo Bamba was a star. Colin Sexton was a star at Alabama. DeAndre Ayton was a star at Arizona. So that's a essentially a five-for-five five hit rate in the top five uh, in 26, uh, 2017. Um, 2018, R.J. Barrett was a star. Nasir Little was a little disappointing, but he really picked it up at the end for North Carolina. Uh, Cam Reddish was a really, really good player, a uh, big part of that really good North Carolina team. Bowl Bowl was terrific before his season got shut down. Um, Romeo Lankford was a really, really good player um, for Indiana. I mean, that that top five, like all those guys were really good. Um, 2019, who did we have last year in the top five? Anthony Edwards, really good. James Wiseman, oh, yeah. really, really good, but had a – 
had his issue come up. Cole Anthony was really good but got hurt. Isaiah Stewart was terrific, uh, and R.J. Hampton was uh, playing overseas. I mean, you know, the top, if you're in the top five, that's why it's like been, you know, it was been such a talking point. Like, what does it matter? What an arbitrary thing to say, like Kentucky had gone five years or whatever it was without getting a top five guy. Well, because those guys are almost always, they almost always hit. Josh, you know, 2016, Josh Jackson was really good. Lonzo Ball was great. Harry Giles, very good at Duke. Markel Fultz was, was he national player of the year? He was, he was number one pick uh, mm-hmm. in the draft and really yeah. good in college. Frank Jackson. Um, not like great, but it was a really good player for Duke. Um, so you, you want to get those guys. I mean, they, they are difference makers by and large. And, and certainly at the very least, they're not really bust. Like their top five guys are ready to be major college basketball players. Um, and so it, it is a big deal that they got him, uh, BJ Boston. And I, and I think while Clark dropped, you know, he's been in the top five in a lot of different rankings. Yeah, he's still in the top know, 10. F- for yeah. a long time, and he's still in the top 10. And I think he's a little raw, and there's a little more uh, mystery with him. He may need to add some things to his game, but I think he can be fantastic too. Well, moving over to UK football, uh, today, uh, Amani Gilmore, the quarterback uh, from Louisiana, uh, announced he is entering the uh, transfer portal. Um his uh, first collegiate play came against uh, Tennessee Martin, but he didn't have any didn't have any stats. But twenty four seven Sports, uh, Josh Edwards is the one to uh, first report this. But he was you know, a pro style quarterback out of Louisiana. Like uh, he had an offer from Tennessee, um, and he was intriguing. And I know a lot of people were like, "Why don't they play Gilmore?" And that was asked. Mark Stoops was asked about that more than once. Uh, during the time where Terry Wilson was lost for the season and uh, uh, Sawyer, what's Sawyer's last name now? Sawyer, Sawyer Smith? Smith. <laughs> Sawyer Smith? Yes. <laughs> so, see, Sawyer Carroll is in the UK Athletics Hall of Fame 2020 class. That's got me confused now. But um, yeah, so Sawyer Smith, when he became ineffective, uh, you know, Gilmore became this popular, intriguing option for so many people that would uh, pine for him and Stoops just simply said he's not ready he's just not ready that's it he's not ready uh so now he is ready to move on because Kentucky has oh Bo Allen Joey Gatewood Terry Wilson uh and Sawyer Smith so so those four guys right there uh plus um the kid from Florida Nick Scalzo so it's five so you knew one was going to go. And then as far as transfers go, uh, Kentucky needed to to lose five players to get to the 85 roster limit uh, for scholarships. And so this is the fifth because already receiver B.J. Alexander and a pair of defensive tackles, Kevon Butler and Davon Hawkins, those all just – announced they're entering the transfer portal. And that all has happened since last Friday. So all within the last seven days. Uh, Amani Gilmore today. Yesterday it was Drew Schlegel, which that's the most disappointing to me because he earned himself. I thought I think he earned himself a scholarship. I'm pretty sure he did. He was a walk-on. And uh, I'm almost positive he earned a scholarship at the beginning of last season because I did a story on him. 
And his dad, he's a legacy guy. His dad played at Kentucky, played offensive lineman at Kentucky. Uh, and Schlegel came in as like a linebacker and he turned down um, scholarship offers to play uh, rugby at um, uh, West Point at Army and like uh, at Air Force. And so he had a chance uh, to, to take this thing a completely different way. And he winds up coming to Kentucky and he came in as a linebacker. Well, the room was too full. So then he moves to tight end and that room gets pretty big and they start using him as a fullback. And he's, he had some playing time. He was key uh, catches against Florida. So, so he's worked into someone who's gotten himself onto the field. And then on top of that, he started to become a fan favorite because at the beginning of last season, he had a mullet. I don't know if you remember that, but he was sporting a mullet. (laughs) And then he talked about his love for alpacas and wanting to be an alpaca farmer. Yeah. John Hill had a great story about him wanting to be an alpaca farmer. That's that's That is unusual and terrific. So that just all blew up. So he, I hate that he won't be here for another season, but uh, it feels like, you know, he earned the scholarship and maybe they came to him and said, you know, we need that scholarship back. (laughs) We need that scholarship back and you know, where you'll be used. uh, That's kind of how it works though. I mean, like with walk-ons, it's like, look, you, the the walk-ons get scholarships based on availability. You know, when, when guys leave and they're extras, those guys get to, you know, and they're on a year-to-year basis. So, I mean, I think most right. of those guys kind of know the deal. But, hey, if you if you kind of need that money or you got a chance to go play somewhere else or do whatever uh, somewhere else, I think it make, probably makes it a tough call. It kind of sucks this, because – This is the reality of, of roster management in college football. I mean, it ain't pretty right. sometimes. It kind of sucks for him if, you know, that's the way it went down, that he would be here for, you know, his whole collegiate career. And then this last, you know, last year, you know, he's, he's, he can't stay because he's made friends and teammates and all that stuff. You know, he spent his whole college life here, but he, he's going to graduate. So he's going to move on as a grad transfer anyway. So to be in grad school somewhere, but I wish him all the best. He's a, he's a great guy to talk to. Uh, a lot of fun. And I know he was a popular teammate uh, as well. Okay. Lastly, before we go, we won't spend a ton of time on it because uh, really we've, we've, we've just about run out of time. Uh, But the UK athletics 2020 um, hall of fame class was announced. And I mean, it is, it is loaded. You've got Wayne Turner and Ron Mercer, a pair of guys who won national championships uh, Ron Mercer's case in 1996, Wayne Turner's case in 96 and 98. So those are the UK basketball players on there. You got UK football, Danny Trevathan, or as Rich Brooks used to call him, Danny Trevathan. And he is now a Chicago Bear, and he's going in to the Hall of Fame. Baseball players Sawyer Carroll was a big-time slugger for Kentucky under John Cohen, and when Kentucky won its – I believe it's only SEC title. Sawyer Carroll was part of that team. And then A.J. Reed, who was the consensus player of the year in college baseball uh, his his last season at Kentucky. And he's subsequently quit baseball. But A.J. Reed was a great pitcher and first baseman and slugger uh, for Kentucky. Just unreal. I, I can't believe that he didn't pan out. He was such a talent. Uh, and he was part of that what was it? 
18 or 21 inning uh, postseason game just, in Gary. He wasn't just part of it. He was he a was legendary it. part of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He pitched a nine-inning game and then moved to the field and played the rest of the game. Uh, the only person more remarkable in that game was the catcher, who I believe caught – I don't remember who it was, but he caught – Luke all, Maley? Was it Luke Maley? Yes, yeah. I think he caught all 21 uh, innings. And I think Reed is the guy who blew a tire coming around third um, – on a play late in one of the extra innings that could have won the game. Yeah. Uh, Cause Reed was just completely gassed. Um, I, mean, I got to look this up. Kentucky. Was it Kent state? Kent state uh, in Gary, Indiana. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see if that's 21 innings. I remember I listening to it on the radio. I guess you were there, right? Yes, I was there and it was crazy. It just turned into such a crazy, uh let's see aj reed started the game as the designated hitter and then pitched. sorry i got it backwards and then pitched the final nine nine innings so he played 12 innings in the field uh and then pitched the final nine innings um wow that was just that was such a crazy game Um, yeah i remember just some of the um i think it ended up seven and a half hours long something like that uh, yeah, it, it fell just uh, short of the longest NCAA tournament game ever, um, and it, it got crazy in there. And, that, and we were in Gary, Indiana, which is like the murder capital of the world. Like they have more <laughs> right. more murders per capita than any place in America. Just a completely yeah. like rusted out town that you try to drive quickly through on the way to yes. Chicago. Yes. Uh, you always pass pass over it basically on the way to Chicago, home of Michael Jackson. Um, but it has seen better days. And uh, it was funny on the way up there, we were like, everybody was so annoyed that they had to go up there because that was a year Kentucky should have hosted. Um, and instead, right. Purdue That's got to, uh, Purdue got to host. And but Purdue's stadium was under construction, and so it ends up being at, in Gary, Indiana. I mean, it's just a yeah. ridiculous. The whole set of circumstances is ridiculous. And so on the drive up there, there were several of us carpooling, and I started tweeting out, "We're going to try to hashtag survive Gary." Yeah, like I was tweeting out murder stats and stuff. I was kind of being a jerk, I guess. But uh, yeah, but Gary that, residents got yeah got up. But that hashtag that. hashtag became so funny because then it was like hashtag yeah, survive was... Gary for Kentucky. I mean, they were in a 21 inning game. They used every available body and then they still made it back through to the final and, and had a chance to win that regional, uh, even though they were completely toast. And I think Kent state ended up winning, uh, that regional, uh, and going, it may have gone. Did Kent state even go to the world series? Uh, I can't remember, but I can't remember either. I can't, that was, either. uh, God, that was unforgettable. And, and as far as the basketball guys that made the Hall of Fame, uh, circling back around, something we'll probably talk about tomorrow if it publishes. Uh, I definitely just filed it. We did another one of the drafts, the uh, fantasy drafts or, or mock drafts. Uh, we, yeah. we had done the Calipari era at The Athletic, um, picked three 10-man teams from the Calipari era. Uh, this time, uh, three of us, three of the writers, picked uh, three eight-man teams to really make them dense with really good players from the post-Rupp, pre-Calipari era. So that would cover all the players from 73 to 09 who played for Joe B and Eddie Sutton, Rick Pitino, Tubby Smith, and even Billy Gillespie. Um, and yeah. 
that era, that amount of time, there were some unbelievable players at Kentucky. So they, I think they were like 13 All-Americans, uh, 21st-round draft picks. Um, you know, there were some really, really good players in that time. So some, some all-time legends for sure. Mashburn, Kenny Walker, Rex. Oh, yeah. Um, all well, Ron guys. Mercer's yeah. obviously in there. Wayne Turner. Yeah, Mercer and, Mercer and Wayne Turner were both drafted in our draft. Um, Jack Givens was in that time period. So we'll talk about that as well. And I, I didn't leave out. We just got we just got on a tangent on A.J. Reed, But uh, Shanda Bell. Shanda Bell was a great softball uh, pitcher for, for UK. I remember interviewing her when she was a freshman in 2009. Just uh, how remarkable she was. But uh, quick story on Danny Trevathan. I interviewed him when he was a freshman as well, when he came in in 2008 and uh danny was i think he's from florida and uh he just you know had a deep south type uh accent to him and i'm asking him about kind of like the linebackers that have come through here and some of the tradition with wesley woodyard and braxton kelly and you know some of those micah johnson i think uh and just talking to him about some of the guys we talked to uh now and all that and he just says uh yeah, these guys ain't playing around. Uh, they want to win and shit. <laughs> so that was the quote I got from Danny. And I I, I didn't use it, obviously, but I told him, uh, or I must have told Slacks or somebody with football there. I was like, hey, you might want to just mention to Danny. Uh, you probably shouldn't cuss when we ask him questions. <laughs> just helps a little bit. <laughs> well, that, then then a few years later, uh, old CJ Poop Johnson came along oh, after, yeah. they, after they got thumped at Vanderbilt. Uh, he just said, "Well, bleep the f word." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody asked him like about their defensive performance, and he kind of <laughs> thought it over and looked around and said, "Well, bleep." In uh, <laughs> yeah. that deep voice, uh, that was dude. He's amazing. a he's character. He's a John character. Hale has a has a somewhere still has a great video of that. It was uh, it was amazing. <laughs> I think he had to go apologize to Mitch Barnhart on the team bus. On the way back. <laughs> Uh, All right, hey, well, just circling back around to, to put a bow on this whole thing is DeAndre Williams went to uh, Nationwide Academy in Oklahoma City before Evansville, which is like a prep academy, you know, JUCO to get your you know grades up okay. and all that stuff. So okay. that's that's why he was a sophomore at okay. Evansville in his first season at Evansville. All go. right, so Kyle mentioned we'll talk about that mock draft um, uh, that, that those guys did over at the athletic should be lots of fun to talk about that. And then also um, something else that you're working on that we may or may not talk about. So we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. But in the meantime, uh, go, go listen to, uh, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, go check out Chad Ford's NBA big board. That's a good one to check out. Play the latest episode of that. In the meantime, we'll be back and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. <laughs> <laughs>